Greetings. Welcome to the How We Do Digital Ministry podcast. I'm Christopher Harris, founder of Faith Growth. You can find us online at faithgrowth.com, where we help our church clients build their online, their digital presence and engage with their communities online. On this podcast, I have a conversation with a church leader and ask them to share how they do digital ministry in their own communities. Today, I am talking with Pastor Danielle Miller. She is pastor at Advent Lutheran Church in New York. Pastor Danielle, please introduce yourself and tell us how you do digital ministry. Well, my name is Pastor Danielle, as you said, and I serve at Advent Lutheran in the Upper West Side of New York City. And I also am the uh, director of Pinecrest Lutheran Leadership Ministries, which is a camp for youth and young adults, uh, leadership and faith development. I've two kids, uh, an addiction to reading and vegan cooking, and um, I am really happy to be here today. Thank you so much for the invitation. How do we do digital ministry as a community? Because it's way more than one person can just take on. And I think the approach to digital ministry, a lot of people talk about how do you do hybrid worship or streaming or this. We talk about how do we engage hybrid community? How do we engage community that is both gathered in one location and also scattered all around the world, uh, because that is the community of faith that we have been blessed with. So, so that's the main focus, right? When we talk, what, how are we engaging uh, participation and faith development within our, our hybrid community? I really like that because it's it puts the because one of the things that I've always said about digital or online or even hybrid now is that. You know, kind of the ministry, well, A, the message is the same. Um, mm-hmm. This love of God that we're sharing, um, you know, through this, uh, you know, through the person of Jesus. Um, and we, we've been trained for that. You know, we know how to do this ministry. And so the ministry is the same. It's just some of these tools. And so, yeah, it's about the relationships. And I love that y'all are focusing on the relationships. Um, and then, you know, how can the tools help us uh, create, sustain, um, and enrich those relationships. Yeah. I, I really appreciate when, it. When I was in seminary, uh, Dr. John Hoffmeyer, uh, he, I was in a youth ministry class and he said, good youth ministry is good ministry. So the, the things that you would count as good ministry, just apply them to youth. And that is good youth ministry. There's no special formula. And I think the same with digital ministry, right? What makes good ministry and those same things you apply in a digital format, but like you said, the gospel is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And that's where the real power is and the call is for us. Right. So, so if you could, uh, is there a, a, a particular story or experience that you, where you've seen God at work online or encountered God online that you can share with us today? Yeah. So one of the things that has really been amazing is connecting with people all around the country so and, and around the world. So for example, when our corral was online, one of our participants was from El Salvador and they would come in and participate and be part of that. Uh, we had people who were going through chemo treatments who there's no way they would be able to be present in worship, right? And there they are in worship uh, every single Sunday participating and, and are part of things in a very real way. Uh, people who haven't stepped foot in a church for years for fear that it would just come crumbling down on top of them. Uh, and here they hear this this message for them. And there's a, a level of safety, right? To say like, 
this church that has burned me, that has hurt me in the past, I don't know if I trust it enough to be physically present, but this way I can kind of dip my toes in and say, wait a second, maybe this really is a place for me. Um, we have somebody who lives in the middle of the country who's transgender and there's no congregation around them that is affirming and loving, that feels safe, and yet they can come and be a part of our community here. And then even locally, one of our matriarchs, our matriarch of the congregation, she's 97, and she lives only a couple blocks away from us, but she can't get around the way she used to. And I went to visit her the other day and she was so excited. She said, Pastor, because she got the internet over the course of this last 15 months. And she was like, Pastor, come, come and see. So she's showing me her table. She said, this is where, this is where I sit. And this is, and see, I turn you on here and this is how I take care of the sound. And I'm always so happy to see everyone's faces. And this is where I put my bread and my juice every day for communion. I said, every Sunday I'm ready. And so her excitement in being able to be a full participant in worship and in the community is just so delightful. So that's really in worship, but also we've had folks participating in small groups from all over. And we even have virtual volunteering opportunities for folks through our uh, hunger programs, which is exciting as well. So there's a lot of opportunities and there are so many more that we could touch. And those were lots of stories, not one. I'm sorry about that, but well, no, I, got that's, excited. I got very excited. I appreciate <laughs> that. I like that. Well, um, you know, just so our listeners know, I've, uh, how I met Pastor Danielle is I started attending Advent during the pandemic uh, from Dallas, Texas to New York and really have enjoyed being a part of the online community that's dispersed. And you're talking about Bible studies. I really have enjoyed the Bible study that I participated in. Um, and I know that pandemic or no pandemic, I probably wouldn't have been in a Bible study because I would, you're talking about being more accessible. I would have had to go get in a car, drive somewhere. Maybe it's mm -hmm. thing. quite honestly, I like that we're doing it midday. Um, you know, just, I know that I wouldn't be involved in Bible study right now if it wasn't for the fact that it's an online experience, uh, whether there was a pandemic or not. And so I've really appreciated that that's been an opportunity to be a part of and been very helpful, uh, uh to me. Um, so thank you, I guess we'll say. <laughs> well, thank you for showing up for that. That matters. And it, and, and we're so happy that you're part of the community. So, um, Tell me a little bit about, um, I mean, I, what I love is it's about how do we create the relationships and tell me some of the things that y'all have tried that, because um, I mean, I know, you know, you, you really have done a good job just kind of experimenting and seeing what's working. And so what is what are the things y'all are trying that are working well? What are some, maybe some lessons you've learned along the way um, as you're really trying to, you know, become more accessible to more people to create community? Yeah, so I think try is the, the operative word there, that there has to be a willingness to try and to fail hard, <laughs> but, and then to say like, oh, that particular format didn't work, but like, let's try something else. And so what's been interesting is to see kind of what are, what are people seeking? So doing a very intentional Bible study that is online or hybrid right? There, there is a value additive piece to people's lives. People's want, people want to participate in that and be part of that and be connected to that. But when we do virtual coffee hour, right, for example, people are like, oh, unless I already have those relationships, 
this is awkward, right? To just show up in a room with a bunch of people I don't know or people who already know each other with no common goal. So we've realized the intentionality of, of what we offer is really important and how is it value additive, which I think is smart in ministry in general, whether that is in person or online. Um, I will say kind of going back to the, the things that we've we've tried, something that was particularly helpful is prior to the pandemic, we went through this whole visioning process and we came out of it saying, this is our vision, this is our strategy, this is our, you know, this is our vision and our mission. And we were very clear about that. And we said, this is our ministry strategy. It's around gathering around Sundays, small groups, community center, right? This is what we're doing. And so when we had to pivot to online uh, community completely right there for a while. Mm -hmm. What was really helpful was coming into it and saying, we already know who we are and we know what we're about. So now let's figure out how to do that and be about that on a digital platform. So that was particularly helpful. And I think too, not investing. So we haven't spent $25,000 on cameras. We work with a, 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 uh, a free program that's public domain, right, to do a lot of our streaming. We've done a lot of things on a smaller budget. And and some of that is because we didn't originally put digital worship in our budget and, and digital uh, community. But now, going forward, we do have it in our budget. But also because tech stuff changes so much and trying to figure out what works or what fits for us rather than investing in one way and saying, we're going to invest 25 grand in this one way to do things. I think having a flexibility and an openness to the changing technologies and mediums and things like that to really fit who we are and what our community needs is important because then that allows us five years down the road to say, whoa, you know, all of a sudden having holograms somehow changes the way we're going to engage ministry. And so what is what does that look like? So um, so having that fundamental core of who we are was so important. And then having a real openness, adaptability, and flexibility when it comes to the 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 means, like how we go about doing this fundamental thing. I think that was really the the balance. I feel like I didn't answer your question specifically enough. And if well, I didn't well I think the, but I think there was some <laughs> I think there were some good tips there. And, you know, what I would kind of like, if I was to summarize that for our listeners a little bit, what I would say is, I, well, A, I agree with you. I think that um, kind of staying nimble on the actual tech you invest in, um, especially as you're learning to use it and what is going to work for the community is probably best. I mean, I have experience working with a church here in Dallas that actually it's a larger congregation with a big budget, but we even started with cameras that we found. I mean, this wasn't, 2012 when we started live streaming there we went to the count we went to the closets and found cameras in the closet because we needed to figure out how was all this going to work before we invested in and i mean there was a point that that church did invest in you know probably twenty thousand dollars worth of cameras but it was after several years and experiments and knowing what was going to work in that space but okay. i'll also tell you they put that much in there and that was pre-COVID streaming, I would say now they need to change a lot of it because the camera angles are all from the back. It's not as engaging. Mm -hmm. It's not, it was what we were doing in 2012, basically. And so even, so yeah, kind of starting figuring it out, but also knowing that even if you invest a little bit, it might be in another five to 10 years, you're going to need to do that again. So, and then that kind of comes back to that second thing where you were just saying, try, and then kind of the nimbleness of it. I mean, we have to be a little bit more nimble 
Well, and I think there was a third thing in there that y'all, you know, you know, churches sometimes fall into, they don't really know who they are or what they're focusing on. And mm -hmm. the ministry of Jesus can be very big because we're called to some very big and bold goals. Yeah. Um, but as we're orienting ourselves, we kind of have to focus that down. Um, and what makes your congregation unique, uh, when I say you, not you specifically, you, the listener. Our congregation, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what makes that congregation unique and kind of focusing in on that, if you have a good idea of who you are and what you're called to be, um, that, you know, your uniqueness as the manifold, like I like to say a lot of times, every congregation is unique. Um, well, I mean, I believe that, but I think it's incarnational. God has called together this group of people to be the incarnation, the manifestation of the body of Christ in that community and mm -hmm. so in and of itself it's unique it's different it's something so what you know what is god called you know in that outpost of the kingdom if you will or kingdom what's god calling y'all yeah. to be about and if you have that focus then it makes it easier to make some of the other decisions and i did not know about the visioning process but i can definitely mm -hmm. see the evidence of it in you know some of the decisions made during the pandemic some of the language that's simply used in worship and mm -hmm. um you know so i you know i didn't know that but i can definitely now knowing that <laughs> you're I, like i can well that's good i'm glad you can see the connection i, no, I, I think paul did uh i think paul did christendom a disservice when saying like i'm gonna be all things to all people right to to the greeks i'll be a greek to the jews i'll be a jew to the, to the fools i'll be a fool right all that stuff like that's that's impossible. It's impossible to be all things to all people. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. You don't have to be all things to all people. Every church doesn't have to do everything. The gift is that we're all in this together. And if we really see each other as partners in, in, in this call, right, then I'm going to trust the church down the street to pick up the stuff that, that we're not doing. And I hope they trust us to do the same, right? And so together we're able to collectively meet the needs of the entirety of the community. That's okay to be doing it in different ways and, and to celebrate that we're doing it in different ways. Um, there are certain churches that are never going to buy into digital ministry. Mm -hmm. That's okay. There are other churches that are, are gung-ho and saying, yeah, let's do it. But they're gonna be focusing on doing something else more power to them. That's, that's amazing, right? So, so really viewing this call to ministry as a collective rather than, than something that must be contained all within one particular community, uh, which just sets up low self-esteem and, and really an impossible task. So tell me, um, well, I mean, I think we kind of covered it, but I was going to say, you know, what would be one piece of advice you'd offer to your colleagues, uh, you know, about online, digital, or hybrid, um, if you had anything you would single out? It's real community. It's real church. It's real ministry. It's real gospel. I think there is still a debate out there that somehow being in person, that's real. And being online is like, ah, that's what we got. It's real. It's real. The Holy Spirit is moving. And if we are going to say that the Holy Spirit can only move in this particular box, and this is how God is at work, then, then we've totally missed the message. Because time and time again throughout scripture and throughout history, when we say, no, the Holy Spirit can only be here, God's like, that's cute. I'm already working over here. I'm already doing this thing. And so, so negating those spaces and, and somehow making them second tier 
does a disservice to the gospel and certainly does a disservice to the people that you're connecting with. They are part of your community and they, they deserve uh, to, to be included in the same way that you would include the person who's sitting next to you. And the medium might look different, but the community is real. Um, it just requires us to shift a little the way we're, we're doing it. So it might be hard. It might encourage you to look at things a little differently, but, but keep coming back to that. It's real community. It's real ministry. It is real gospel work. And it's important, not just important, but necessary. That would be my, my word to colleagues. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it's necessary. And whether you're online all the time, the rest, the rest of the world is, I mean, it's not, um, I mean, it's just, it's how we do our jobs. It's how we do social. It's how we, it's how people date these days in a lot yeah. of places. It's, I mean, so, so much of life is lived out there and we're missing a grand opportunity if we're not, if we're not building community and bringing and allowing the faith to flourish yeah. on, online as well. Um, and, I, and I think you're right. It doesn't replace in person. And if anything I've found in my years of being involved in online communities is once we can, we might meet online, but there's a major desire to meet up in person at some point in time and to bring that as a component uh, of the relationship, even, uh, you know, even if it's not, you know, it's just how we structure society is different, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be either or, right? It's a both and situation. I have a, I have a good friend who has five five friends that she is just so tight with and they are completely online friends or we have a small group that started meeting over a year ago they never stopped meeting these these five people six people and just this past month they got together to see each other in first person for the first time ever right and yet they're like you are my you are my people you are my support you are my discipleship partner you you matter so much. I mean, every single week they've been meeting, they haven't missed. And that those relationships are so important. And yet, you know, here they are just meeting for the first time, like 15 months in. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. And what a gift. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you think I, I love the gift. I don't know how I survived lockdown and all that other stuff, you know, without, because, you know, this technology, you know, the last, you know, the, like when they were talking about, you know, the last major pandemic, you know, was the Spanish flu, you know, almost a hundred years ago. Like, what did they do? I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, the only, it's like, I guess, I guess you read a lot of books. I don't. Right. During the pandemic, I kept saying like, I'm really glad it's not 1994. I don't know why particularly 1994, but I was saying like, if it was 1994, what would we be doing? We'd just be so scared in our own little spaces. And, and so yeah. isolated, you know? I, I oh, know. my goodness. I think, was, I think that was a wise year choice. Because, yeah, by 96, we're all starting to get on AOL. Yeah. Right. I, know, what if, uh, <laughs> I know. 94 feels like we're not we're not quite there yet. I mean, computers were still big enough that that not everybody had one. And they they took up lots of space yeah. and time. Well, and I remember at my college, we didn't even have .edu address. Well, no, we did have .edu addresses, but we had to go to the computer lab, like in the library, to access that email at my college back then we didn't even have a way to access no we, we couldn't like dial in it was so funny i was like i can't even dial in and get my dot edu from off campus or something i mean they didn't even have that set up yet. no someone just reminded me they were like do you remember do you remember napster 
and and burning music when that was a thing. Uh, and it would be like, this is going to take about 52 years. <laughs> like it would come up and be like, average time, 52 years, or like 36 hours. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I must have had more time back then. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for things to download. Oh my gosh. Waiting for things to download or just like connect. Anyway, thank God it's not 1994. That's, that's the moral of this story, that yes. we went through the pandemic now instead of then. Yes, I love it. I love it. Well, okay, so things have advanced. What do we, let's do some uh, projection or dreaming or, you know, what, what perhaps does the church look like in another five or 10 years? You have any thoughts or want to make? Well, I think the the time of Christendom is ending in, at least in North America, and we, we all see that writing on the wall. And to me, that just means that we're called to be fundamentally who God has called us to be. We're not called to be social clubs. We're not called to be, um, to be convenient or nice or comfortable for folks. We're called to be people rooted and grounded in the gospel, which means love, which means justice, which means speaking hard truths in love. And, and, and so when I imagine what the church could look like in five to 10 years, it excites me. I think it will be different than what it is now, but it was, it's a different church than it was 2000 years ago, right? Uh, the church is always reforming, always changing, always evolving. And so the church is most powerful when it is, when it is doing authentic, when it is grounded in authentic community, right? And rooted in authentic community. And so if that community is showing up online, if it's showing up in, in different in the public sphere in different ways, if it's showing up in sanctuaries, however that is showing up. I think to me, where I see the growth and the uh, groundedness of the church is, is engaging people where they are from a place that is grounded in community and rooted in the gospel, which I know is very general and what that can look like. But I think it needs to be general because the church is called to be, we are called to be nimble. We are called to be adaptive. And, and that is so important. So when we have set in stone what we think the church will be in five to 10 years, I think that's the danger. Mm-hmm. I think it's really being open to where the spirit is blowing and keeping those foundational pieces in mind the whole time we're making those, those choices and trying to faithfully follow where the spirit is leading. Um, I think there's going to just be a lot of opportunity to fail and a lot of opportunity to succeed. And if you're willing to take those risks, I think it's going to be an exciting time. Well, I do. I no, I like that because I, to me, I think there's, you know, you say, you know, Christendom is ending or dying and, and, and I agree. And I think what I hear in your, you know, kind of your prediction for the future is, 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 is to me seems a little more freeing because mm-hmm. we're kind of bound to certain institutions in some way, you know, there's an institutional church that is moves at glacial speed. There's some, interesting strains of christianity in the u.s that have some weird political stuff political stuff and power yeah yeah you know with power dynamics and honestly kind of getting away from that gives us freedom you know this this community rooted in the gospel is really even though that you said vague i'm like well honestly it's a little bit more specific Mm -hmm. (laughs) um because we we can get rid of all that other baggage that we that we grew into that maybe it's time uh, uh, you know, to, to, to take that off or prune that out, right. out, out of our, out of our, uh, out of our churches. So. Right. And to ask like, what, 
And that's the gospel stuff. Like, what was Jesus about? You know, if you look at Luke, and it's it's about freedom and liberation and caring for those who need who need care, but also advocating for justice with with and for folks. And and how important that is. I mean, Luke four. You know, I have I have come for this, and and today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Um, it's always being fulfilled when the church gathers and is is really following where Jesus is leading. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, ooh, I love it. Preach, we'll just say preach. Uh, <laughs> um, well, that we are almost out of time, which um, happens. Must be Pastor Daniel and I can talk, and so we could go. <laughs> I'll just, hey, dear listeners, I'll let you know that even before we hit the record button, we chatted for almost an hour <laughs> just to get ready to record this episode for you. So we have no, it's no problem covering space. Exactly. So if I, don't look at the, if I don't look at the clock and actually land this plane at some point in time, this will be too long of an episode. Uh, so we are going to have to kind of wrap things up, but I want to um, just give the last word uh, to Pastor Danielle and just, you know, is there... Um, Anything you want to say or any, I guess we've already covered advice, but I mean, just anything we didn't cover that you want to talk about, uh, I'll, I'll give the floor to you. No, I, well, I always have more to say, but I, uh, <laughs> I just want to say, I mean, to everybody who is watching this and trying to figure it out along with, with me and with, with Christopher and with everybody, like, thank you. Thank you for being a partner in this ministry, thank you for committing yourselves to reaching out with the gospel in, in exciting ways. Thank you for placing inclusion and accessibility as such a high priority in the church. Thank you for investing in people and for making it uh, matter for, for, it, for, for your engagement in a very real ministry. Thank you for making me feel less alone as we try to figure out what this all looks like because we're in it together. And I'm excited to see where the spirit leads. Um, but that would be, that's what I would have to say. Just thank you. Wonderful. Well, I think that is a wonderful place for us to end uh, on a note of gratitude and thanks. Um, so I will say thank you, Pastor Danielle, for being our guest on how we do digital ministry. I want to invite all of our listeners to you know, follow us in your favorite podcast app, uh, or if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get notified every week when we release a new episode. Um, Pastor Danielle, how can our listeners find you and follow you online? So if you go to adventnyc.org, that is our church connection, and that connects you to all of our social media pages. Or if you visit pinecrestllm.org, that also connects you to Pinecrest Lutheran Leadership Ministries and all of our social media accounts. Wonderful. We will have links in the show notes uh, to all of those. Uh, thank you again for listening. I'd also like to invite you to connect with us in another way. We have a Facebook group cleverly titled How We Do Digital Ministry. The link is in the show notes. We'd love you to come join uh, the Facebook group. It is a place where you can connect with other church leaders from all around the world now and discuss all things digital ministry, hybrid church, online, the other six days of the week when there is not a new podcast episode for you. So hit that link and join the group. Um, 
I want to thank you all for listening today. And until next week, peace and blessings to you all.